first of all. Yeah. To a really good week, guys. Yes. Congratulations on your acquittal. Thank you. That's fantastic. God willing, we'll have one next week, mm -hmm. which really is a topic I want to discuss. We have a interesting case coming up next week. It's a sexual assault case, which we so often do at this firm. But there are interesting elements about it when we read the evidence of the complainant that I really want to talk about. And I've coined this, you and I have debated a little bit about how they're how this witness is coming across. And we can't talk much about the evidence or divulge any names or anything, but there's something so striking that I've come up with this term, active passiveness. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, you and I were really scrambling. I have other words for it, but... Go ahead. <laughs> well, I used to call it plausible deniability, where women would, um, would take a position where it's like, well, I wasn't really doing anything. It was like, you know, and they, they just disown all of their own actions. They, they force other people to make decisions and so on. So they have plausible deniability afterwards if things don't work out the way they want. So, so in reading this statement. But I like your phrase, actually, because this is what we're seeing more and more. It's becoming a trend. Passiveness. It's active passiveness. It's becoming a trend in a number of cases we're seeing. And because we do such a significant, I mean, people come to us all over the province to defend them for these types of offenses. And we really find so many cases that are fabricated. And we see now this very serious commonality in this thing that I'm calling active passiveness is that something is, and then there's another term we'll talk about, which comes out of a study you found and we've been reading about. Um, but there's this way of describing the encounter as there's some agreement to be intimately involved, but it's not really an agreement. I'm kind of encouraged to, and I don't really want to, and I just kind of let it happen, but I kind of enjoy this, and maybe I said I did, but I didn't really mean it. And it's so hard to describe mm -hmm. because it goes on for pages and pages and pages. And it's really this very active passiveness to try and create what I think is eventually what, what what they're trying to push must this person must have done research because what they're trying to push is this ongoing active um communicated consent you know so that you have to ask in specific words apparently yes <laughs> right yeah like you can't just sort of be checking in with somebody by saying you know uh, oh I, I bet you're having you seem to be having a lot of fun right now let's let's say you seem to be having a lot of fun right now that's actually an inquiry Right? It invites a response. But if they didn't say, would you be okay if I do this other thing? Or would you like me to continue? Right? If you don't form it in the phrase of a question, apparently you didn't check in with them. You didn't get their consent. Yeah. So at the nub of this is what we're seeing in a number of these statements is what I call this active passiveness, where what they're trying to either get across to the courts and God forbid one day it's adopted, that you will have to specifically ask at each step of the way. And, and this particular complainant says, I've never been in a situation where somebody didn't ask. Is it okay if I touch you here? Is it okay if I kiss you there? Is it okay if I do the following? Like, I can't think of a mood kill, you know, like, you know, well, it's just like, it's, it's getting, thought, I, it's getting so have to do, if that's what you have to do, you have to give a little window of adaptation time for people so that they can actually learn how to go from the way people actually behave to the, the new expected form of behavior because... We're too old. 
Yeah. But the other, and, you <laughs> or know, I said I have words for this. Yeah. Another word, like we've actually used uh, effectively before, another word is agency. Love and yeah. agency, I remember I was a little bit confused when I first came across that word because it was like, what, is, you know, they're talking about, you know, female agency. So agency means that you have the ability to act on your own behalf, to speak on your own behalf, to take accountability for your own decisions, Correct. right? And so we've actually asked on other cases before in the past and that we've been very successful in, we've actually said, do you understand what the word agency is? And there was this confusion and you explain it and they've just been, I don't know how to answer that because their whole approach to avoiding accountability for their own choices has been to pretend they have no agency whatsoever. This is so important because this is what we're seeing now in cases. And, and, and what's so unique about you know, what you've brought to the table and what we do together now is we actually study and lift out these, these, these uh, studies and, and articles and pieces that are feminist pieces or studies about um, false allegations, why that will happen. And we, we, we look very carefully at the feminist pieces about sexual assault and, and what they're looking for. And we come across these terms. We're now integrating this into the way we cross-examine because I think we're both so offended and you're offended by, hopefully, uh, by the injection of, of the way this type of presentation well, is I'll going. Well, I'll tell you why I'm so offended. Yeah. Because being female, um, women are being told that their bodies won't respond in the right way. They're being told that they're helpless, that men are always going to overpower them, that they actually, in some cases, they're actually being told that they can't consent because of the power imbalance between men and women. So there is no actual consent. You're always yes. being oppressed. And I find that so offensive. I you know, used to joke around calling me a feminist because a lot of this stuff is being done under the guise of feminism, but I'm embracing it now. Right. Because I was a feminist and I, th and I think I always have been. And there's nothing, it, it, you know, that's based on equality and the ability to make decisions and there's no difference between male and female. What they're branding as feminism and what they're branding as this new way of describing sexual assault and and the the power dynamic is is in my opinion highly manipulative of the feminist concept and robbing women of agency robbing exactly. women of the ability to make decisions and and take responsibility for certain things and it's now injecting what i consider to be this active passiveness and trying to push that everything you do will be such a mechanical thing with explicit oral communication about every step in sex, otherwise it's gonna be a sex assault. It's creeping in so much in statements we're seeing uh, from, from complainants, uh, we're beginning to have a real concern about it, but we're fighting back with the language that we see in their literature and trying to put it into the forefront because it's absolutely ridiculous. Well, and we've also you know, put an article up on the website too about what universities are teaching regarding consent, yeah. and it actually is not the law on, on uh, when you can consent and when you can't. Just having a few drinks doesn't mean you can't consent, right? Like uh, in, in terms of intoxication and they're being miseducated at universities in terms of consent. There's ideas about active ongoing uh, enthusiastic consent, mm. right? It's not just affirmative, but enthusiastic But consent. you don't have a right to a... <clears throat> a lawyer? No, no, remember <laughs> in, you the, in the court of public opinion. No, you, you said that so right you don't a have lawyer. a right to have good sex? <laughs> Uh, you don't, have, yeah. You don't. You don't have a right to have good sex. So this is the thing that we were talking about generations. <clears throat> As we go down further and further in the generations, before it's just like I have a right to rights. Yes, you do. Right. 
um, <clears throat> I have a right to, um, you know, have people, uh, you know, for, for me to have bodily autonomy, right? So um, you need to have my consent before you can do things to me. Absolutely correct. I have a right to uh, enjoyment of things that I want, right? I have a thing, I have a right to things I want, then it goes, right? I wanted that thing, I didn't get it, so somehow my rights are being violated. And then now we have, I have a right to the things I want in the way I want them, right? So here's what I'm starting to see. People are agreeing to have sex, and then they're not happy with the sex they got, and they think they had a right to good sex. So if you didn't give them good sex, then somehow you're guilty of assault. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. This it's is a slippery slope. It's a slippery right? slope. And, you know, if we ever get down that, that path of enthusiastic consent, Jesus Christ, half our population might be in custody. I'd feel like but. a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, it, this isn't a joke, everybody who's watching this. This is real. And we're bringing up again now because we might have spoken about this, I don't know, 10 podcasts ago or, or, or more. But we're starting to see this trend in the cases that we're defending over and over and over. And we're going down this very, very slippery slope. There was a joke, actually, that I, I always found really amusing. Uh, how does an optometrist have sex? Is this better or is this better? Is this better or is this better? <laughs> it's cute. It's cute. That's yeah. what they expect, you know, yeah. guys to do, right? Women, That's they can do whatever they want. And it'll just be like, oh, well, you know, they didn't need consent. It's very interesting. Because we've actually kind of said that too. Like there's been a couple of times it was like, and so then you, they admit they did a certain thing. It's like, did you ask for his consent to do that? Oh, that's a beauty. I mean, you know, that catches everybody off guard. You know, the, the, the complainant who sat in my client's lap and, and then kissed him or whatever. And then I, I, I actually asked, sorry, did you ask him for consent? And it's like, what are you talking about? We don't. We don't need consent. And, the, from a and that's guy. not being cheeky. I mean, this is no, with, it's this not. Is with, this no. is with complainants who are actually insisting that they needed to be asked at every um, instance whether or not something was okay to, like, you know, one button, yeah, sure, fine. Next button, is that okay? It's like, but they're making a point saying, that's what I expected him to do. And so it was like, so if that's your expectation, because as we know, always ground it in the evidence about the individuals, right? Absolutely. <laughs> if that's the way you expect him to act, why aren't you doing the same thing? So, you know, the other thing which is interesting, and I don't know if you're f having the same issue in some of your cases. But is, this is like my anger had to melt for a moment. No, no, but, it, <laughs> it, but, but this is what we're seeing. So this is a real trend. And it's something I think we're going to talk about more and expand on about this act of passiveness and, and where we're going about what the concept of consent is. But, you know, it, it's been a challenge to some extent to get... Um, get a, a better understanding from some of the courts that we're in about fabrication and why people fabricate. And so you pulled this very interesting article, which I don't know if you have notes on it, but if you want the It's the very tiny it. print, Here, Chris, so I actually had to write it larger. Uh, for uh, she shared it with me yeah, years ago and I uh, use it when I go to cross-examine and prepare my case. So... No, it's very useful to look at the social science regarding stuff like this. I actually did a, a YouTube video about this called Top 10 Reasons Why Women Lie About Rape. Yeah. And uh, this is a Dutch study, so because uh, it was YouTube, I set it to clog dancers. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually quite an amusing video. Um, but it, it's very interesting because there's some misconceptions about about um, the top what the top reasons are. A lot of people say, like, you know, and one of the big responses are, I made no money from this. 
I had nothing to gain because I made no money. Material gain is on the list, but it's actually at the very bottom of the list for and the actual... And gain is not necessarily only material. Right. And that's the thing. There's a right. material gain, emotional gain, uh, disturbed mental state. Uh, and then most interestingly, the top second reason is they don't even know why they lied. This is a legitimate study that's yeah. peer-reviewed based upon a sample group of people who really did make false accusations, and they studied it. And admitted that it was false. Yes. So there's criteria, right? Right. Uh, when, when we study false accusations, in order to be counted as a false accusation, the person has to actually admit it. And in this case, they had to then give a reason, like these are people who admitted you know, that they did it, and they, and they had a concept of why, although apparently, quite often, I don't even know why. And that's, people don't understand their own Pause beliefs. on that for some reason. You know, sometimes I'll say to a jury or to a judge in closing submissions, why do people do what they do? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Human behavior sometimes is so elusive to understand. And this is a wonderful example, which is a really good study to show that there is a, a predominance of people who make a false accusation. And when you drill down, I don't know why I did it. 20%. And I'm not saying men don't do that in other instances too. Absolutely. But this just happens to be in the, in, you know, in our bailiwick of what we do as a criminal law firm. So another thing that's actually called a, a rape myth, uh, according to one of the Supreme Court justices in the past, she went on a little screed in a in a uh, concurring but different opinion. Um, one of the things she's like, oh, it's it's a rape myth to say that that women will falsely accuse because they regret it afterwards. Right. That was a massive mistake. <laughs> yeah. Regret is actually on the list. It, yeah. it is only like tied for, for number five on the list. The top number one reason, you know what it is. I'm not going to steal your thunder. Go ahead. <laughs> alibi. Think so, about that. Just think about that. Alibi is huge. Right? It covers a whole bunch of different instances. It can cover anything from they got cheating. Fidelity. A parent caught them having sex when they, you know, even though they're old enough, but the parent is disapproving them, but get kicked out of their house. Um, and it can also go to, they were failing at, at school, right? They need a reason why they're failing. So alibi is actually the top reason that people identified themselves. We have a trial coming up where it's pretty obvious the disclosure came out during an emotional moment in a breakdown of a marriage where the person's life was spinning out of control. And it seemed to me that the allegation, or seemed to us, I apologize, it seemed to us the allegation came out to deflect from her failings in this relationship in other respects and now to gain sympathy and give an alibi as to why things are f***ing up in her marriage and made this allegation against her client. It didn't just occur to us. She literally said, she, I was in the middle of a massive argument with my husband and then all of a sudden everything changed when I suddenly blurted out that this thing happened to me in the past. So now we don't seem that intelligent? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but, 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 but well, you know, it may, it may miss people may go, well, okay, so that's an emotional moment where something is going to come out which has been hidden. You know, which has been deeply in it. Bullshit. This is a perfect example of where it's to deflect and give an alibi, get sympathy, and try and get out of a bad situation. Yeah. Well, let's go through. So the list of, of reasons, and it, there are 10 on there, although um, there was like an 11th thing that was just like unknown because in the studies they were looking at, for whatever reason, nobody even asked them why they did it. So there's some that are unknown. one thing before you go on to that? It, you know, we're supported in this because there was a study out of Australia and we were contacted, uh, it was Australia, where we were contacted yeah. by a researcher who's looking at 
cringe moments. Oh, actually, it was an Australian journalist who connected me with the UK researcher. The UK so it's, researcher. yeah, UK, so Australia, Canada. Moments. There's a lot of connection actually between feminist activism in those three countries. And, and so cringe moments, which is much like regret. So there's there's cross. So we've got cross reference to other studies and people who are researching these issues in other jurisdictions, which is similar to regret or afterward. You have a cringe moment, like I can't believe I did this with this person, and so they lie about it. So I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt. Go ahead. This is great. I just want to give you a, a little chance to speak for a moment. Um, in these kind of cases, how important is it to identify a motive? Oh, it's like 99% of it. Uh, it's incredibly, you know... <clears throat> People always want to know, why, why would she lie? Especially when you're in front of a jury, right? Like, it, as much as the judge will say the accused doesn't have to provide an explanation um you know they don't have to we'll explain on that in a second <laughs> you know do any of that you know, like yeah. it's entirely the onus is on the crown to prove the case blah 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 human beings um and you know just operate on a why would somebody put themselves through this nonsense right right and like they got better things to do, there's surely. A, there's a big case which has been built on from the Alberta Court of Appeal, uh, R.V. Cusk, I think it is, but um, they called it the forbidden question. Why would she lie? Right. Because it reverses the burden of proof. And it's so subtle, yeah. it's so seductive yeah. to ask yourself that question that, uh, that you then don't even realize that you're reversing the burden of proof. And yet it... it <laughs> happens in every single but well, when we look at the study we can see that even they don't know yeah but but it's so you know chris makes an excellent point if you're in front of a jury and sometimes in, in front of judges too you know it is very important to try and get across that there is maybe a reason for somebody to make up the accusation to fabricate because they need to be able to hang their hat on something um, because of the very stigma of the allegation and the concept that why would somebody ever lie about something so invasive? And that's what you're up against. Why would they put themselves through the, the ordeals of a trial? Yeah. I, you know, I, I remember uh, seeing a tweet from uh, uh, Leah Dunham. You oh, know, the, she got herself in so much trouble. <laughs> who, who, you know, tweeted something to the effect of um, women lie about what they had for lunch. They don't lie about rape. So she, but she said that, and, and then she like, defended a friend who was a, a writer on her show who was accused, and she said, I happen to know this one is false. And then she had to eat her words, and she's just like, she was all over the map. Right, yeah. you know, but that's kind of the... Exactly, because you can say what, things like, like what you quoted, and I believe that was an accurate quote. I, I can't, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but it sounds exactly right. Yeah. You can say stuff like that until you or somebody you know has experience has been falsely accused. Yeah. Can I just digress for one second? So we had somebody come to us as a client who is a female mm -hmm. and um, was accused of sexual assault 36 historical. years ago, historical sexual assault on another female. And um, when was on the Zoom meeting with us because they're not nearby, um, was just um, shocked. Couldn't believe that they would be charged. Couldn't believe that this could happen to them. Couldn't believe. She was aware of the changing legislation. Right. 
couldn't believe it. But never this. thought it would actually affect and, her. And, and, and frankly, the client, the, the person is absolutely delightful, is totally innocent. Yeah. And it was just, uh, you know, wonderful to meet this person and have the conversation. Mm. But what was so incredibly interesting was to watch somebody who was a quote unquote feminist. It was okay for me to say lesbian. Um, you know, well, like that's why she was accused yeah. by a female. Yeah, yeah, yeah but 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 that and and so when the legislation was changing, you I know, know words are changing. But, well, I, yeah, I just don't know what, what you know. I want to be respectful, but you know, had said you know I'm all for the legislation because you know women don't lie about this. Men 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 do this, and then to be accused, she had a journey. She went through a journey and then realized Fuck. allegations sometimes are lies. The law, the law applies to men and women equally. Yes. And that's some, what we fought for. That's Jesse. right. That's exactly. But that was that. like an unbelievable aha moment of somebody who for many years of, of, of her life, along with her partner, said, women don't lie about this, mm. then goes, oh, my God, f they do. Yeah. And we're not saying, please, again, yeah. we're not saying every allegation is a lie. That's just not true. Yeah. You know, a lot of people... There's a lot of abuse. There's a lot that goes of guilty there. pleas. There's a lot of guilty pleas. There's a lot of cases to get resolved. We just happen to deal with cases. People come to us in instances where there really are false allegations or high-profile cases, and we deal with it, and we study it, and we learn it, and we're able to identify it. But this was such an interesting moment mm -hmm. where there was like this like revelation, a Rip Van Winkle moment, is what I used to call it, because I actually worked in the film industry for like 15 years. It was a long time, and when you work there, it's like long hours. You do nothing else, right? And uh, I was a feminist when I went into the film industry. When I came back out, I discovered the internet. <laughs> <laughs> And then I was, I felt like Rip Van Winkle, where I was just like, what happened? It was like, I thought it was a cute little hug group before, and now they've just wreaked havoc on the entire world, and they're lying, and they're, they're doing dangerous things. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. 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 All right, go back to the study. I'm so, sorry. I so digress. Let's look at the actual reasons, and, and then they have a rank, so they're not listed in rank, but... Well, I'll try and do them in rank. So top, top one is alibi. That's number one. And that can include a number of things. You need an excuse to, to explain something you don't want to take responsibility for, right? Um, then the next one is, I don't know. Unbelievably. Eh? Right? So why would she lie? She doesn't know. So why would I know? Um, the next one is uh, attention. Don't undervalue the you know attention so look at look at children right there's two ways of getting attention positive attention get good grades win at sports do something like that. <laughs> you got positive attention but for kids who are in a bad environment they might go for negative attention right so getting attention has value and i think anybody who engages in places or spaces or platforms whatever you want to call it like twitter can see that getting attention comes in all many different forms being a troll can actually make people enjoy their life again when they're actually miserable, right? Yeah. Attention cannot be undervalued. So that's um, after they don't even know, attention is the next top reason. Revenge. So revenge is actually another reason. So regret and revenge, I think, are the things people's like, these are rape myths. Oh, women lie about this stuff because um, they want to get revenge or they want to get regret. Well, this is a study. Yeah. You should come out of a, <laughs> a bitter divorce. You'll have a new view on that one. I've actually said to people who said, I'd never be falsely accused. My you know, 
and none of this stuff will happen to me because you know my, my wife loves me and I've said get divorced now well she still loves you because when it falls apart she'll be a totally different we person. have a new case now where the allegations are from they're divorced now for several years there's been a judgment in their proceedings the complainant just can't give up <laughs> it's an allegation from I think 2011 <sighs> like I, like you can't underestimate what people will do like it's amazing but she was a unicorn joseph it's a catnip <laughs> it's catnip for some people but I, I just think it's really funny get divorced while she still loves you <laughs> anyway so revenge is is number four on the list and and keep in mind these aren't just number four of what people think these are number four of what what the false accuser has admitted to in a peer-reviewed properly conducted study well there's uh, 57 the sample was of 57 well no it starts with canon so there's a canon thing that's yeah, like an two, older yeah. one oh, and okay, they're building the, on the canon report right. by the dutch yeah. police yeah. yeah this is 2019 i think yeah this is a new study that comes out and it's also on top of another study from i think 1994 and it, and it's peer-reviewed it's you know fortunately you know we don't have like a, 2018 a, an epidemic yeah, 2018. Yeah, you know, it's not like we're saying we have a epidemic of false accusations, but we we see a lot in our well, job. Well, with the Me Too movement, I'm starting to think there is an epidemic. I do. I, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. But this is a legitimate. It's like well what is done. Still Burr. Paper Tiger. There's an epi No, this is older than that. There's <laughs> an epidemic of gold digging horrors. <laughs> Bill Burr. It's just his last one, Paper Tiger, was great. You know, the Me Too movement. You're late for a date. Job gone. Career over. Well, you know, there there was like a building on the Me Too movement where they were saying being ghosted. There was an actual article, serious article, saying that being ghosted was some sort of sexual assault. Being ghosted fits into one of those categories. We had one of those cases, literally, literally, where it came out. Our client was ghosting, allegedly, the complainant, and that just pissed her off to the extreme of making an allegation of sex assault from the evening that they had spent together like a month or two months ago. To the extreme of putting in writing on an email that she would not leave him alone and he could call the police on her. She would still not stop. I will not stop contacting you. You can call the police on me. You're ghosting me. Can you imagine? I've got got an outstanding case. where they met, uh, you know, they're um, of a certain ethnic group. They met on a matrimonial site. And in her mind, uh, if you met on a matrimonial site as opposed to a dating site, those are two separate things. Uh, and they slept together. And she was quite upset that he wasn't ready to meet her parents uh, the day after. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, filed a complaint yeah. first with the matrimonial site that this man is abusing women, uh, and then ultimately to the police, um, claiming that it was without consent. Um, well, this is interesting because just to get more multicultural and get away from just Canada and the US, which is mostly what we talk about, it is a massive problem in India. That they um, that they could fight, could you know it's you know they're cracking down on this now that they could accuse somebody of rape because they had a promise to marry, and it's a it's a huge thing in India. It's like 
I, I've been well, following we deal with a, with a multicultural community, so you know yeah, we, we've got uh, clients from all these communities, right? Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, but Toronto's... like, but there's been judges in in India that have actually been saying, okay, this is getting a little bit crazy, <laughs> you know. Right. Been, yeah. But 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 we see the cultural aspect play out here, exactly. where there are expectations uh, of uh, of the person who winds up being the complainant, and those expectations aren't met, and therefore they relabel all their activity. Relabeling, we're about re-labeling. to get to. Yeah. yeah. They relabel all the activity as sexual assault, and it's not a joke; it's real, and we're about yeah. to win on one of those in a major way. Um, but it was just so blatant. Uh, and terrifying. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Well, um, so the next one is like, it's weird because it's a top 10 list, but we don't get to 10 because there's a couple of tied categories. Regret, and we, we've kind of touched on, um, but but that ties back again a little bit to our active passiveness. Like, you know, they, they make decisions and they agree to do certain things and they regret it later. So they're just like, I didn't really do it. So we, we should actually talk about regret yeah. a little bit more. We should, because it's, it's a really good point yeah. that you make about that when we were discussing this earlier. Uh, so I, I, let's talk about that more. So um, you can have ideas about what you want to have happen on a certain date, and you might have certain boundaries. It was just like, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I want to make sure that I, I set a certain kind of pace for, for how I'm going to date, because this is my game plan for dating or whatever, yeah. right? And then you get there and then maybe you have a little bit of alcohol, not so much you can't consent, but your boundaries loosen up a little bit. Or you get there and the guy's really charming and you just change your mind or whatever. And I'm just going to use the female because it is commonly the female complainer or whatever. Uh, And then you end up doing something differently. And then in the end, you're pissed off that you didn't stick to your boundaries. Right. Right? Let's not just say like, oh, I regret this thing for some other reason because you know, he's a jerk or whatever. It's just like, you can even just be kind of self-blaming, right? And then talk about victim blaming, but self-blame is an important thing too, where like, maybe I go out and I get plastered one night and then I feel like crap the next day, right? And I want someone to blame. It wasn't my fault that I drank that much. It's because so-and-so came into the bar and bought shots for the table, you know? I I can relate it differently. (laughs) I go out to dinner with my wife and I have a desire to have salad. Your lovely wife. Yes, I have salad and chicken. But then I realize the restaurant has outstanding pizza. So we have a pizza as an appetizer, and then I launch into a pasta dish. And at the end of the night, I'm really pissed off that I went beyond my boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I charge the restaurant with dietary assault. <laughs> dietary assault. <laughs> no, but really, it's a good example. Have you been working on that one? That was so clever. No, it was just, I could, I could just... <laughs> I can do this (laughs) on the cuff, but you know, it's a perfect example. You raise an outstanding point because we see this in these cases that, you know, you have a concept of what you're going to do that night, but we are human beings, right? And human beings want to blame somebody else when they make a mistake. Sadly so. And one of the things that feminism I think is about is saying, I made a mistake. I own it. And one of the great reasons to do that is because if I can change something about my own decision-making or my own behavior, I'm empowered. Absolutely. I can do something about it. I don't have to open my door every day and walk out there and think, oh my God, it's been two minutes. I haven't been raped yet. <laughs> that was on one of your videos. It used to be on all my videos. <laughs> and, and it's actually a really yeah, a clever joke. It's a clever joke because I'm not laughing about how often people get raped. What I'm talking about is this hysteria that you know, that the women should be terrified to walk out their own door. 
That is not the world we built. Right. And it's and not have, the world we live and, in. And you have your own power. It's not the world I live in. You have your own power and your own ability yeah. and strength to be able to conduct yourself and, and, and handle the situations around you. I'm not saying that some shit doesn't get out of control, but you have that power. And one of the best ways to overcome things that actually do go wrong for you is humor. And what, what we're seeing right now is not that. They're not teaching people how to actually survive. They're teaching people how to be victims. You're absolutely right. So, I'm sorry. We're going to have to go there. That's why. We're going to have to go there. <laughs> what is it? The social justice. It's all about their... Oh, yeah. I cracked you. It was like social justice warriors are all about their symptoms. <laughs> so We don't teach people how to survive. You've been quiet for a long time, Chris. Would you like to say something right now? <laughs> no, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. Uh... No, but re the reality is... Fuck. I know. It's to such an it's To such an extent... You know, we, te we, we disable people. And, and it's a shame because there's bad shit going on in this world. Don't be an ableist. Yeah. But what's, <laughs> Don't be an ableist. Yeah, I know. Be a disablist. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not in control of me putting on 20 pounds during COVID. Well, that's not to say that it was the fault of, you know, the restaurants that I attend. The, the, uh, I think... The frustration is that we know this, we study it, you know, it's, and uh, members of the judiciary, judiciary, rather, I should say, uh, know it as well. Well, in no, not in the correct way. They well, do. well, let him finish, because I know where he's going here, I think, I think. <clears throat> so we have to cross-examine in a certain way to draw it out, mm -hmm. and yet we can't make submissions on it. Well, we can. <laughs> we we have to make it very. Um, there's almost like a you know a, a wink wink. Like we we know what's going on, but it can't be said in 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 overt in over, over when ways. you say we though you mean defense lawyers. We know how at this yeah, firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this no, firm, no, no, we know how to no, do no, it. I, I agree. You, you properly, but you know. No, but this is a really important point. Yeah. It's it's the subtlety of being able to express it in ways that you can't be blunt like this. You can't talk about alibi, regret, things of that nature uh, in a blunt way without somebody saying. You know, the judiciary saying, well, that's, uh, you know, they won't want to write that unless it's patently obvious. You know, that's a different circumstance. Um, so there's a conversation that we're having that's, <laughs> it's like we've all agreed to not speak plainly the truth of what we know is going on. But here's the danger, and if I can just say this, oh, because there's, totally there, there are certain judges, and I'm not saying all of them, but who will who will not be able to read that yeah. and 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 there's education going on behind the scenes well they're by afraid of being accused of things because we've had judges thrown off the bench yeah. before who were railroaded right. I, okay so let's let's leave that no, for another discussion but so what you know with all due respect not that we're promoting too much but the reality is what we have decided to do because of the intricacies of making submissions in this era we now have decided that most of the time we're in a situation where we're doing a judge alone trial and we will make substantive written submissions 
prior to making oral submissions. And they are not short, they're long. And this is when clients come to us and they go, well, but you know, how much is this gonna cost me? Or, 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 or you know, this is a simple case. And I, I say to them, and I'm like, I'm walking out of the room as I'm saying it, there is no simple sexual assault case. If you want to try and win, you have to understand the powers that you're up against, the literature you're up against, the propaganda you're up against, and then you have to be able to... The demand that judges do written reasons and that every single word they said will be parsed out. Right. If you're a defense, you can't parse it out if you're convicted, but if you're acquitted, the, the Crown can parse it out and claim that there was a rape myth in there. So yeah. we give them the language to use to show that it's yes. not a rape myth. It's grounded in the actual evidence about these individuals. I mean, we've had submissions go to 120 pages. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, it's exhausting because sometimes we're pounding this out at the end of one day and doing it till midnight or one in the morning till the next day. But this is the only way to combat it. And language is so incredibly important and in how you use the language and what insight you and apply the case to it. And, and this. So, you know, what, what, what we're doing together and what you've introduced to this is that we're looking at literature and studies that are sociologically based uh, and from a psychological standpoint, we're looking at it, we're implementing this. And, I, you know, it's, I'm sounding like an advertisement here, but this is the only way to fight back against what, what, what's going on in the system. Well, it's not just an advertisement because like my nonprofit, <clears throat> I get calls from people that are in yeah. other provinces we can't help. And it is so painful to see them get convicted and how hard it is to overturn convictions. You have to get it right at trial, yeah. right? And, and you know, it sucks to be charged because, you know, you may be almost clearly innocent, but you have to go to trial anyways because of current policies and so on, which we won't get into. But if you don't do it right the first time, your chance of winning on appeal is terrible. You get convicted, you have to pay, not just pay for the trial, you have to pay for the appeal. And, and then the if you're retrial. lucky, if you're lucky, you can get a retrial and then you have to pay for a retrial. Let's just end on this one thing because I know I think we're out of time. Well, I just want to, I got to go quickly ahead. summarize the other reasons. So we have sympathy, which was tied with, yeah. um, which was tied with regret. So getting, getting sympathy from other people is um, fairly similar to attention. Then also tied for the next place is mental disorder which is really complicated because it's really difficult to bring up mental disorder yeah. and the relevance of it. Very difficult. Yeah, and, and that's, that's very sensitive and, and, yeah. and you know. Um, relabeling, we did want to touch on this a little bit. So relabeling it, yeah. is a weird thing where uh, we're seeing this anytime we have a case where somebody has spent hours or days or weeks or months talking to all their friends about what happened to them. And then they say to the police quite often, I didn't even realize it was sexual assault until I talked to my friends. So relabeling yeah. means that you're talking to them and sometimes even just saying, hey, I did this stupid thing and I feel really crappy about it. Or for YouTube, I feel really shitty about it. <laughs> In 2022, we're facing <laughs> And then facing they say, that. it's not your fault. Really, it's not my fault? No, 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 no. This is how consent works. I learned it at university. Right. And then you're just like, well, you know, I kind of feel a little responsible. And we've seen this where actually complainants have said, you know, I, I tried to defend him saying, well, maybe it was my fault because I said something felt good or whatever. It's like not your fault at all. And then it just becomes easier for you to agree with your friends and or you start to there's confirmation bias where you want your friends to tell you this isn't your fault. Confirmation bias is a very big factor that that 
people don't fully understand and lawyers have to wrap their heads around. And the relabeling is a real thing where you see that they're seeking out information in a situation that they might not have liked, but was not a sexual assault. Right. And then it gets recast, relabeled, re-engineered, whatever you want to apply to it. We, from, from, the, from the study and other studies, they call it relabeling. And I like that because that's legitimate mm -hmm. from a consensual to non-consensual. You start out knowing that it was consensual. And then, but by that's the time right. they go to court, they're not lying. No, the they believe they, they, they actually have now become convinced that what happened to them was a sexual assault. You can see the confusion when I cross-examine in their eyes yeah. about when faced with the, with the transformation of what was consensual to non-consensual, when you confront it in the language that we do, you can see the confusion in their eyes. And it's, it's a phenomenon which is scary and it's playing out and we got to be careful about it. And which is what I was going to say in summary as we're coming close to an end. Did we go, go through everything? There's only one more actual reason Do that one left. Yeah, Material gain. It was like, there was just like, I had nothing to gain when they go in the media saying, it was like, he's saying I'm a false accuser. I didn't make any money off this. Nobody's actually saying that. Right. Monetary gain is actually the least of the, the, the reasons. It's a sometimes reason. And it may be a secondary one, like Jesse Smollett, as Dave Chappelle would call him, Smollett, apparently, you know, didn't think he was making enough money, uh, you know, so, and that's not even a female accuser. Material gain can play a factor, but it's actually the least of our concerns, and it's the least common reason why. And uh, then the very last one is there's something that they've classified and recognized disturbed mental state, and this is not a condition of an ongoing, you know, mental Illness. Um, illness. This is something where somebody might be in a state of disillusionment due to drugs or due to having a vivid dream or something like that, or they're sincerely confused because their memory is telling something different happened than what was provably true. Yeah, there are conditions either induced because of alcohol or other things, and then, uh, yeah, uh, whatever so situation. So that's the top 10 list, anyways. Um, you know, that doesn't. Uh, it may be slightly skewed because there were a number of cases they studied where they didn't even ask, but there are actual legitimate reasons. These are not rape myths. Right. Which is what I wanted to end on, which is this is real. It's a legitimate phenomenon. And um, unfortunately, there is this, this um, push by certain groups to try and convince our judiciary and, and our politicians otherwise. And why... A sexual assault case is never simple. It's not simple. And when people come into our office and say, oh, no, no, I'm not worried about this. It's simple. I'm like, unless you have a video recording of the entire event. Which could then also be illegal. Which, yeah, which could also be illegal, but nevertheless might, might exonerate you from the sex assault, but get you convicted of something else. It's never simple. And there's reasons that we do these type of, we go into the literature and the studies and try and figure out new ways to try and evolve with this and cross-examine and bring out these problems. It's never simple. And we have to be alert to this. And things in, and phenomena like which are coming out now, which I've termed active passiveness, we gotta be careful about where we're going. Yeah. Anyways. In the meantime, people can like, share, and subscribe. Yeah. Yes. Good. <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right. Love you all. Thank you. Morris, love you. Max. Love Thank you, you Max.